a code rent for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon is tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins. If ever there was a podcast that's ahead of the game, it's this one. Even just 18 months ago, many of the issues that were seen almost as fringe discussions are now crucial debates. And this is in no small part to our man in the climate hot seat, Dale Vince, a lifelong environmentalist and entrepreneur. Dale is the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company, and the uninitiated, also the chairman of Forest Green Rovers. Morning, Dale. Yeah, morning Ian, how's things? Yeah, good. And I was just thinking on that point, and I know we've done a lot of discussions on the radio uh, about this, you've, you've been part of many of those as well. I mean, what do you make of this? You were talking about these issues 30 years ago, and uh, here we are in 2021, and now they are not just at the top of the news agenda, they are, they are dominating the global agenda. But what, what's your take on that? Oh, I'm happy for that, actually. I don't think I might have asked for more except for it to have happened 10 or 20 years sooner. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good thing from my perspective because they've always seemed like vital issues to me. The problems have always seemed obvious. The unsustainability of life seemed, you know, super clear. Yep. And, um, yeah, I'm happy that it's all coming to be, you know, that it's, it's, it's achieving more general uh, acknowledgement, acceptance, and, and eventually sure. action. When you were on with me on the radio the other day, uh, you've been on a couple of times in the last week, um, somebody, uh, I forgot I was going to send you this, somebody texted in or tweeted in and said, yeah, Dale is just parroting the line of his Davos masters. <laughs> um, and I, <laughs> and I, I, I wanted to say, you know, well, good luck. We're trying to get Dale to Davos. Um, aside from that, it won't fly there. Uh, but the idea that you would be sitting amidst that lot, should we say, or put it like that. Um, but it is a theory that a lot of people have who say, look, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory, but it does seem odd that all of this is suddenly, we have COVID, the world locks down as it begins to unlock suddenly this new agenda that has been hatched together by businesses and leaders suddenly finds itself front and center of everything. Yeah. But look, anybody that starts a sentence by this is not a conspiracy theory just yeah. gives the game away, doesn't it? Yeah. They often start with, I'm no conspiracy theorist. <laughs> but <laughs> but this looks dodgy to me. <laughs> yeah. This look, yeah come on. I guess what perhaps... You know, you could things like the World Economic Forum always gets mentioned in these these kind of debates. Bill Gates gets mentioned mm. in these kind of discussions. This is very much a global agenda. That there's something else going on here because what will go with all of these policies will be a um, a more authoritative government system in place and a more global one as well. I mean, what, what what's your reaction to that? Oh, you know, I, I just think it's. Um it's just conspiracy theory stuff, and do you know what I mean? I, it seems to me like the internet breeds this kind mm. of stuff. You know, I mean, there was a spat on Twitter talking of the internet. 
in the last few days between uh, a state in Australia, the uh, kind of leader of a state in Australia, mm. and uh, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Oh, I didn't see and, that. And Ted Cruz was banging on about how authoritarian the controls were in this Australian state. I don't remember which one it was. Um, and how it was wrong, and he stood with the people of Australia, you know, that kind of stuff. And the dude that runs the state gets on Twitter and says, whoa, Ted, mate, he called him mate, we don't need your help, thanks, because while Texas has lost 70,000 people that have died to the virus, do you know how many we've lost? Zero. Mm -hmm. And then he went through a list of similar contrasting impacts between his, so say, authoritarian state approach to protecting people and Texas is more lax, let's call it libertarian approach. And, you know, the, and it was it was black and white. Yeah. So I think there's an awful lot of nonsense being spoken on the internet all of the time, of course, but particularly in, in regards to civil liberties, you know, like there's so many people that think it's an offense and affront to their civil liberties to have to wear a mask. I don't understand that. I really don't. Um, but, you know, these people are in the world. Well, as my old nan used to say about Ted Cruz, what a twat. Let's move to <laughs> this story. <laughs> I think I would like your nan if I ever met her. <laughs> uh, climate change will lead to growing international tensions. The US intelligence community has warned in a bleak assessment. This is the first ever national intelligence um, estimate on climate change looks at the impact of climate on national security through to 2040. I'm intrigued how that or why that would, would, would be the case. What are you making of this? Well, I, I read the uh, opening paragraph of that just now, and there's a line in there that says U.S. intelligence reckon that countries of the world will cooperate less and they will prioritize their own economies over other countries. And I thought, I'm sorry, but I thought we lived in those times already. Well, yeah. I mean, that to me, this looked like I had to look at the date on this story because I thought, is this from a couple of years back? See, you kind of could have written it any time, really. Absolutely. That's the way it is. You know, I mean, America, I mean, well, if there's a country in the world that's famous for prioritizing its own economy over the interests of other countries, then, you know, it's America at least. So I wasn't surprised by that part. There was a further part of the report that said uh, there was a risk that some countries may go it alone, uh, which could exacerbate the problems of the climate crisis. Uh, And the example they cited was geoengineering. Um, and yes. the further example of that was the seeding of reflective particles into the upper atmosphere to reflect the sunlight uh, and how that might just pass a problem onto a different part of the world. But it just struck me that that would be a pretty altruistic thing to do mm. to go seeding the upper atmosphere because it won't benefit just one country. Yeah. Uh, it would benefit the world. And that's the opposite of what the same report is saying that countries won't cooperate. So it was a little bit all over the place from, for me. I think there definitely will be conflicts due to the climate crisis. We can see that poorer parts of the world will be affected um, more. They'll be less resilient, less able to deal with that water shortages, food shortages. There will be millions of climate refugees as well, which is going to cause, you know, a big increase in that problem, the global refugee problem. And, you know, those things, but they've been obvious for a long time. What I thought was interesting about this as well, when when these reports come out, you know, government reports are like 28,000 million pages long, and you think, oh, goodness, you're not meant to understand it. It's too big. Even the bloke that wrote it can't even read it. But this one had the very opposite impact on me. It's 27 pages, and I thought, and that includes the contents and the index pages. So, (laughs) really? Like 25 pages on something as big as this? Surely there was a bit more to be looked at than, you know, what looks to me to be, you know, a couple of sort of, 
obvious headlines. Well, that's interesting because it it all just seemed a bit simple and obvious to me in the reading of it. So maybe that's because it's not a huge document with a lot of research. Yeah, I'm not alone. Mark on Twitter says, Dale, your support of Insulate Britain means you back terrorists. How low will you stoop? <laughs> that's a funny thing to say. I'm going to assume he's being ironic, but he might not be being. Um, Let's assume some, he's not. <laughs> all right. Well, so, somebody else uh, got in touch with us this week. Interestingly, it's a guy I know. I'll tell you why that's interesting in a minute. But he said the same thing. He said, basically, you're supporting terrorists. And then he quoted this, what he called was a definition of terrorism, which is any group that uses a threat or an action to force somebody else to do something. And I was like, whoa. So everything the British government's been doing recently to compel the European uh, Union to change the, uh, the, you know, the protocol in Northern Ireland, that's an act of terrorism because we're talking about threatening to tear it up and all kinds of stuff, you know, so by the same token, yeah. that's an act of terrorism. And, you know, I just don't get what people are saying. I mean, this is a protest, all right? I mean, if, was it five years ago, the farmers and the hauliers, haulage industry, shut down the refineries in the in the fuel protests they had because they didn't like the price of fuel, just shut the country down. Was that terrorism? Yeah, yeah. Well, know. you know, the, 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 the Seven Oaks Allotment Committee are saying they won't plant new <laughs> bushes if they're not allowed to use this piece of free shared space. So, does, does that make the, the allotment committee terrorists? I'm just wondering, based on the same logic. It's madness, isn't it? But anyway, this bloke that wrote in, I'm not going to name him, but it, it amuses me because a few years ago when we first proposed Eco Park, the wooden football stadium, green tech business park uh, thing down by Junction 13, uh, he's, he's a local guy, and he came and parked his car in front of our staff car park and blocked the entrance um, and refused to move. And then when uh, when he did finally move, he rammed one of our cars. <laughs> and this what is the did same. He want? What, what was his demand? His demand was we dropped our our project. Not so you know, he, so he came to do exactly what he's accused, uh, you know, uh, insulate Britain yeah, yeah. doing using the threat of something uh, or, or disruption. In fact, in order to get us to change what we're sure. doing, uh, just super irony for me. But it's just, I, I think the whole thing is silly. You know, uh, insulate Britain. About 120 people that seem to have spun out of XR, frustrated by the lack of uh, action. And they've got a single super focus, insulating Britain's homes, which would be incredibly beneficial to fuel poverty. It'll save lives in the winter and, and lower everybody's bills. And of course, knock a huge 15% of our carbon emissions. And, you know, yeah. we, we have to do it. And it doesn't matter really that much how much renewable energy we make unless we insulate our homes we just make the job harder and more expensive and we maintain uh, you know an awful kind of standard of living for so many people in in what is basically a pretty dilapidated building stock in our country what about those um not not unreasonable not even arguments just questions that, that many people have and that's the cost of this people asking can we afford to go green I've got, you've got to put a new heat pump in you've got to buy an electric car You've got to lag your loft. The new heating system means piping throughout has got to change, cavity wall into whatever it happens to be. I mean, this could be thousands per household. And, you know, lots of people won't be able to afford that. That's a fairly understandable concern. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a problem. But insulation is the, the most cost-effective way of saving carbon that we know of. You get more per pound that way than anything else. 
And at the same time, it lowers people's actual energy bills. And millions sure. of people in our country can't afford to pay their energy bills right now. So that would be a big improvement for fuel poverty. And then thousands of people die every year from the cold and from damp, unhealthy conditions in poorly heated houses uh, that would save lives, save health costs, and mean that we have to make less renewable energy. Uh, because we're using less energy. It's such a sensible thing to do. And, you know, not everybody can afford an electric car, absolutely. Heat pumps, well, we've been having a good old ding-dong about those in the last couple of weeks yeah, yeah. as we've kind of called out government's plans for that as, as, as ridiculous and faced a bit of a backlash from um, the industry, I would say, you know, the industry involved in putting those pumps in and um, some unexpected places as well, like George Mumbio, who called the plan crazy, I think, uh, on social media. Mm. Uh, COP26 is just around the corner, of course. Um, this one's in the Telegraph uh, this morning. COP26 officials seeking an agreement for new climate change targets from global leaders as soon as next year because there are concerns growing that the Glasgow summit will fall short of its aim. So, you know, it's all very well having talks, getting together, but some kind of guarantee of action, I think, is what's needed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where to start or what to say about this. I mean, COP... So many people have been saying for months now that the government isn't doing what the government should be doing, that, you know, the host nation should have been organizing a long time ago on this and, and doing a far better job. And, you know, it feels like too little, too late is a classic Johnson government trait. We've seen it through the pandemic so often. Uh, we've seen it in the impacts of Brexit as well, actually. You yeah. know, we're short of 100,000 lorry drivers. And so the government says, well, we'll allow 5,000 immigrants in for three months and 20 of them apply because it's such a crap offer. And, you know, this, this climate conference isn't any different. The uh, government published a plan this week, a, a net zero plan, so say. It's been called a strategy, which I find, you know, hilarious uh, in in its euphemism it is it's nonsense it's rubbish um like the heat pump plan for example uh, or the heat pump funding it's enough to fund thirty thousand heat pumps a year for three years um which is just five percent of the government's target of six hundred thousand per year which is a fraction of the 28 million homes that you know need something doing with them in terms of yep. getting them off the fossil gas grid Doesn't and onto something better. Size, it? No, it's just it's a massively uh, unambitious piece of funding this week. It's even set against the already massively unambitious heat pump program anyway. I think Christine makes this point. So do you think uh, we'll do our job at COP26 or is it just more waffle from Boris? I mean, I've, I've never se- – I have to say, I mean, whatever the, the – um, the eventual action the prime minister takes will, will be the, the obviously the marker by which we will judge. But I've never seen a leader talk more about green issues than Boris Johnson. Who'd have thought that would even be a sentence? I, I, I thought you were going to say a leader who talks more bollocks about green issues. Actually, that would have yeah, yeah, that would, there that is would that. Have been a suitable sentence for me. But I don't think he talks about it that much. Actually, I think uh, David Cameron probably talked about it more, but he was just as uh, ineffectual and insincere. I would say. On the topic, you know, he went from husky hugger to slater of the green crap, didn't he? And banned onshore wind and solar and, oh, God, all kinds of stuff. No, I mean, you know, Johnson's not sincere. For Johnson, this cop thing is something to get through, trying to look like a bit of a world leader. He'll claim any kind of uh, activity as a success coming out of COP26 when – you know, more serious, sober commentators are going to see it for what it is. Yeah. Somebody said to me this week, look, um, how's it going to work? China and Russia aren't even coming. And I was struck by the thought that I think it might be better if Johnson didn't come, you know, just <laughs> stayed away. <laughs> because it's not going to help. China for a holiday. 
<laughs> there is that. Well, as, as my old nan used to say about Boris Johnson, what a tit. Um, there's also this one as well. Australia pushing back against a finding in a major climate report that fossil fuel power stations be urgently phased out. Australia clearly have something to hide. Yeah, and skin in the game, don't they? I mean, they're well, the, yeah. world's, the world's biggest coal exporter and the world's second biggest gas exporter. Is it any surprise that they say, oh, no, hang on a minute, you know, you can't go around saying that we have to stop burning fossil fuels. And instead they say, we can capture the carbon, which is the lame get out of every fossil head on the planet to talk about a technology that doesn't even exist as if it's the answer to the problem that does and our urgent need to do something about it. This question comes in from Tim on Facebook. Will you be doing more live Facebook events soon? I enjoyed the last run. Yeah, Will mentioned this yesterday, actually. If we can find the time after COP, probably, maybe that's something we'll do because it is fun. So, Tim, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, good work. Um, headline here, climate plan urging shift to plant-based diet deleted. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And this is a great example of how insincere our government are on the issue of fighting the climate crisis. We all know that food is a big issue, that animal agriculture is like, you know, one of the top two or top three global causes of the climate crisis. And we all know we have to change our diets. Um, the Climate Change Committee that advises the government have said that. I mean, I mean, everybody knows it. And so here's a government report drafted to say the same thing, The one, you know, for the one that came out this week, this kind of so-called strategy for net zero. And they take out the most obvious piece of advice, presumably because they think it might be a bit unpopular, which is so lame, lacking leadership, guts, yeah. courage, whatever you want to call it. But uh, you I know. can't. I can never understand when I see you know that the, the, a paper would be deleted that is encouraging people to have a healthier diet. I mean, even if you wanted to just remove the environmental component to it, just that the idea of having a healthier diet, you might think would be something that any government at any day of the week would want to sing from the rafters. Yeah, that's right. And the government knows this and the NHS knows this and medical professionals, you know, say it. And, you know, I mean, if you've got cancer in our country, what, one of the first pieces of advice you'll, you'll get is to stop eating animal products, Yeah, you know, to help you recover. Yeah, I mean, it's just a fact. You're right that uh, we, we get better human health from a plant-based diet as well as better planetary health. Sure. And, of course, the animals don't even need to come into that conversation, though they do for many of us. I mean, in Britain, we, we raise and kill a billion animals every year, and most of them never set foot outdoors in their short, tortured lives. Yeah, it's a sobering thought, isn't it? It's not nice. Not indeed. Uh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention, uh, just to go back a couple of stories to the Insulate Britain story, the, mm. the Dale Vince donation to Insulate Britain, which I saw some headlines <laughs> on that as well. Yeah, I mean, that was something that just happened. A local councillor here in Stroud sent me an email saying, oh, I'm involved in Insulate Britain. We're doing a fundraiser, by the way. Maybe you could help publicise it on social media. So I, I followed the link and and I read, uh, you know, what it what it said there. And, and it was a great presentation of the facts around insulation and, and one of the tragedies if i could call it that of the whole action that they've taken a whole series of actions is that it's all been about the disruption and what hasn't cut through is the actual message that they have but on this fundraiser page anyway there it is uh, in in very clear terms and it's a very coherent campaign actually in that respect it's a super sensible thing to do i liked it so much i thought i'm just going to chip in and then it was around about the same time the government were announcing this five thousand pounds to support people 
uh, buying heat pumps. And I thought, oh, shit, I'll just give them £5,000 because actually I think they can do more with that £5,000 than uh, anybody can do with a heat pump. I mean, you know, a lot more. And it just seemed to be a fitting sum of money. Does it bother you that the, I mean, there were the leaders or one of the leaders came under fire because it turned out he hadn't insulated his own home? I mean, what do we, <laughs> I mean, it's a, a little bit of an open goal, isn't it, for the detractors yeah. to say, come on, mate, you know, buy some freaking lagging for your pipes, if nothing else. Yeah, no, it didn't bother me at all. I thought it was funny. It was classic, uh, you know, tabloid newspaper unearthed that. It might have even been my friends at the Express. I'm not really sure. But I thought it was classic. You know, in the same way, I support XR, even though at least one of the founders thinks we can carry on eating meat. You know, we yeah, we, yeah. we, we, uh, we fall out about it in a friendly kind of way. And, and uh, you know, I think it's completely wrong. But it doesn't detract from what they're doing. XR or Insulate Britain. You know, the message is absolutely right. The people behind it may not be perfect, but look who is. And and I think we look for that kind of contradiction, don't we? I say we, uh, but, you know, the, the media looks for that kind of contradiction in public figures. Yeah. It's an easy target. Here's a question from Lee on Twitter, just a final one, Dale. Is it true a cyclist rode on your wind turbine? <laughs> it is true. How do you do that? How do you ride on a wind turbine? Well, uh, it's an amazing thing. Uh, a stunt rider, Danny McCaskill, I think his name is. He's like globally famous, so obviously not to me. I haven't seen his films, but what an incredible stunt. I've seen a picture of him out on a blade that's parked in a horizontal position, probably wow. 50, 60 meters in the air. And it's, um, it's a film being made by Google, I think it is, and it's on YouTube um, from tomorrow night, Saturday night. Yeah, I just saw that. A note from Will says, uh, film's out on YouTube late Saturday night, UK time. Yeah, I think it'll look amazing and super scary. I'm just glad he didn't ask me to go up there with him. I was going to say, that's the next thing, isn't it? Yeah, fancy joining me, Dale, when you get that, a run for the hills. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dale, have a cracking week. We'll speak in seven days' time. Nice one. Thanks, Ian. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Leave a review there too if you want to get in touch. You can email your comments and questions, zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. Really important, but do follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince and facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero Carbon East off.